Hello and welcome to the newest episode of the Great Scott Cinema Club. I'm your host Chris Toe and I'm here with my brother from an armor, Keezy. What is happening, Keezy? How's tricks, mate? Aye, not bad, mate, yeah. Alright, aye. Um, I've actually been watching a shitload of movies for this episode, so... Um, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm uh, overly excited about this one. Aye, it's you know what it's a year that when when we decided on, I was like, oh, what the fuck have we picked this year for? And, um, <laughs> this is the one that I've probably enjoyed the most movies that I've watched for. To be honest, aye, 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 and so the year, what year are we talking about? Year, Keezy? Do you want answers? I want the truth. <laughs> well, you can't handle the truth. All right, then. Right, so don't tell me what year it is. <laughs> With that impeccable uh, impression, you'll know that it's uh, 1992. 1992. That was uh, a line from one of the biggest movies. A 1992, A Few Good Men. Um, right. I think you'll you'll both agree that Nicholson and Cruz don't have a patch on McKee and Toll. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we slaughtered them. Aye, no, they, they wish they wish they were us. <laughs> pair of no good handsome multis. So, because 1992 has got so many films, Keezy, uh, we're going to split this episode into two halves, aren't we? Aye. Um, so, uh, don't worry, you'll still get both of your actor quiz movie battles in your... We'll only do one top three, buddy. Aye, aye, we'll leave the top three to the, the very end. Right then. Right, so 1992, um, what was the highest grossing movie in 1992 then, Keezy? It was Disney's Aladdin. This was a, the first real... Absolute screamer, wasn't it? Was it? Did this come before Lion King? Aye, it came after The Little Mermaid, though. That was like the Aye, first yeah. huge one, and then this was the follow up. This kind of rode on the back. Yeah, Aladdin, I've got to say, is probably, I'd, I'd say, my second favourite Disney animated movie behind Aye. Lion King. Actually, it's, it's my favourite. Aye. Aye. I love so, it. I've got, I've got to ask you then if you love if you, well it's your favourite Disney movie and you're a huge Disney fan what did you think of the remake? <laughs> the first time I watched it I didn't like it Aye. but I watched it again and I thought that was much better than I remember I really yeah. enjoyed it I just couldn't get past the fact that Jafar was the worst actor ever oh I know <laughs> what are you going to do, do you know what I mean there's, there's certain things. I know, I, was, I wanted him to be an over-the-top pantomime villain, but you he know was just like... Played a, him? Sasha Baron Cohen should have played him. Aye, that's a great choice. Definitely. But, it was um, just like a disgruntled employee, wasn't he? He was I just know. like a... He was pissed <laughs> off that he had to go to the shop for him a couple of times. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? But actually, I, I quite enjoyed the, the remake, but getting back to the, the reason that we're talking about the remake, um, the original animated Aye. movie it's it's got to be considered a Disney masterpiece isn't it really if you're going to be Aye. honest um, Robin Williams this, this was probably this is probably Robin Williams biggest ever movie alright uh, like Mrs Doubtfire and all that were more 
it was more him, and obviously you could see it, but you could totally see him in the in the genie as well. Oh, and it, it was just it phenomenal was, stuff. Phenom- it really, it's, I, I would go as far as to say it's probably the best uh, voice performance of all time. Aye. And I, and I, I know, I would, I would agree with that. Aye. It was it's just it was the perfect match for him, wasn't it? Disney and Robin Williams. It was man, he should have been in every Disney movie. <laughs> well that's but he actually fell out with him after this. What after Aladdin? How come? I was reading about it, I couldn't believe it, right? Um because the Good Morning Vietnam was like a, a huge success and it was it was Disney that was involved in that mm. through Touchstone Pictures. Um as a thank you, he made Aladdin for them. And they only they only paid him seventy five grand, but he said, "You but you can't use me for to promote the film. I don't want the genie to be on the poster. I don't want it to be in the trailer, but I'll do it for seventy five grand." And after the the final cut, they went, <laughs> <laughs> "Fuck you, Robin! <laughs> we this genie's everywhere." Plays <laughs> the just... movie genie. <laughs> They just they went back on their promise to him. Oh, and it took him a few years, a few, a few years to forgive them. It doesn't. It doesn't surprise me to be honest with you. They're probably one of the most ruthless corporations that have ever existed. <laughs> I know. You know what I mean, but you know, seventy-five grand. But see if they phoned me now and said, "By the way, Will Smith's out. We want you, but we're giving you seventy-five grand." I'm like, bugger off! <laughs> no chance. <laughs> Think, think about what you're saying. Think about what you're saying. Casey, if somebody phoned me up and went like, mate, one round in my house and run my arsehole, I've got, I'll give you 75 <laughs> grand. I'd fucking do it. <laughs> <laughs> you want to say something different so we can use it? <laughs> <laughs> I think we can use that, mate. That's uh, funny. <laughs> That's funny. Ah, <laughs> uh, fair enough. <laughs> so, AI. Uh, I... <laughs> Aladdin, eh? <laughs> uh, well, boy. <laughs> a, whole, a whole new world. Aye, uh, the, the whole... The soundtrack to this as well, absolutely Bro. tremendous. You know what I mean? Robin Williams' song, Yeah, You Ain't Never Had A Friend Like Me, you know? What a Played out of the dancing, <laughs> <laughs> playing along the bar, get it, Mister Aladdin, sir. <laughs> it was a tremendous, a tremendous, tremendous film. One that I've probably seen more times than I can count, uh, and one that I've passed on to Key, and he loves it. Um, obviously, he's passed on his wee sisters; they love it. It's just oh. a, it, it's a tremendous. Film and it, it's a good, it's a good standalone film as well. You know what I mean? Like, um, taking it, the big, the big, obviously the big thing was Robin Williams, right? But the actual film itself, the storyline and all that is brilliant. It's really, it's, a, it's a great story. Anyway, we'll move on. To the next one was a another high grossing movie, nineteen ninety two. Um. It was one that you want to talk about, Keezy. It was Basic Instinct with Sharon Stone and uh, Michael Douglas. Aye, that's it. 
considering it was like an erotic thriller, it's made a fortune. Aye, I know, but that's because everybody wanted to see Sharma Stone's fanny. <laughs> ah, true, aye. Aye, it's the truth. That's, that's why everybody went to that film. It just so happened that it was a decent movie and all. Aye. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a decent, it's a murder mystery thriller. Uh, it's a pretty good film. It keeps you guessing, and and uh, the two of them are brilliant. She just looks unbelievable. I see Michael's still doing all right in this one. He's still looking no bad at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but but um, my, fa- my favourite p- uh, character in this is Wayne Knight. Aye. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's the guy that clocks it. <laughs> His reaction to that is uh, brilliant. His glasses are steaming up. He's sweats pouring off him. He's patting his head dry. You know, you know, I love him because he was in Seinfeld. But everything he's been in, he's been great. He was amazing in Jurassic Park and all that as well. Aye, and, uh, just a just a great actor. Um, but tell tell me more about this movie. I, I've seen it, Keezy, but I can't remember a thing about it. It's. Basically, uh, uh, her boyfriend gets violently killed during uh, mm-hmm. a sex torture thing, and right. she's the number one suspect. And Douglas is the cop on the case, uh, and then he becomes obsessed with her. And then it's, did she do it? Uh, she's so mysterious, and there's a couple of red herrings, and uh, it keep as I said, it keeps you guessing at the end. It's pretty. It's a pretty good film. It put her on the map, really, didn't it? <laughs> Aye, but did, <laughs> did this did this one have Stan Collymore in it? <laughs> they saved his <laughs> acting genius for the sequel. Aye, they had to do Sonny Paul in the crowd. <laughs> Aye, basic instinct. That's a, a film. I, you know, I'll probably never ever watch it again. To be honest with you. Nah. And um, it's no, it's no a slight on either of the the main character actors. It's just that it's not really my cup of tea anymore. Um, so, oh, the bodyguard. Now, again, ladies and gentlemen, anybody that's listening to this or has listened to any sort of episode of the Great Scottish Cinema Club podcast will know that my main man Keezy here is in love with one of the two main characters in this movie. <laughs> right? So, <laughs> Keezy, what a film. Oh, brilliant. Now, you know, I, I was texting you the other day while I was watching this. This is one of the movies I watched for this episode. And I said to you that the electricity between Kev <laughs> and what one is going to explode my telly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't remember it being insane. That I've not watched it for years. But this is a this is a brilliant film. It really is a brilliant film, and Whitney Houston's tremendous in it. But as I said to you the other day, that there's nobody that's going to convince me otherwise. Whitney Houston is the greatest female vocalist that's ever lived, I think. And I know, I'm lo- lo- looking at your face, I, I can see your wee Celine Dion cogs going round in your head there. <laughs> I'm not having it. I'm not having it. No. Whitney, Whitney sings her half the stage every day of the week, twice on Sunday. Aye, um, Whitney's the best. 
this is one of the things, this is one of the movies where the, the music and, like, I, I consider this movie to be a musical, right? Aye, but originally it wasn't. I know. There was no songs in the film. Was, was there not? No. Really? It, I, wasn't until, it wasn't until Clive Davis said, like, wait a minute here, you've got a Ferrari and he's a, keeping her in the garage. Just need this. So they, they cast Whitney Houston. They cast Whitney Houston before it was a musical. Yeah. I thought she done <laughs> really well in this movie. If you honest, I know. Me. I thought she and was. And it was um, once they realised, like, wait a minute, here we need we need songs. It was Kevin Costner got his pal uh, to write them. David Foster, famous famous record producer, he wrote the songs, and then obviously they covered. I will always love you, mm-hmm. which is one of the best cover versions ever. Yeah, that's what, what I was going to say to you as well. I don't think it's one of the best. I think it's the best cover version ever. It's Aye. you know Dolly Parton's versions, brilliant. Willie Nelson's versions, brilliant as well. Her version of a song blows them all out the water. I again, it's probably her finest vocal performance. Aye. Right, so. Going to say that if if you take the fact that I'm saying she's the best singer of all time, and then I'm saying that this song is her best vocal performance, then that means that I'm saying that this is the best vocal performance of all time. <laughs> if you if you look at it like that, do you know what I mean? And um, that I think that there's other there's there's male vocalists and there's there's other female vocalists that have maybe put in better performances on a song, right? But for this movie, and because, like you said, they they had Whitney Houston uh, hired as an actress, and they weren't even going to let her sing. And then this song was number one for half a nineteen ninety two. It was um, Costner's idea for her to sing the star a cappella as well. Costner. That was a genius idea. Why? <laughs> doesn't, doesn't just save life; she saves movies. <laughs> Do you know what I forgot about this? Like, like you said, there are so many red herrings in this movie as well. Uh, um, like, Sai, uh, is it Sai you call him? Is it Sai? Uh, Gary Kemp. Which is Gary Kemp? Uh, Gary Kemp character. You think he's, there's something about him, he's a wrong you, he's not a wrong you either. And, and, uh, but you've got the, the guy that makes the phone calls. Who's oh, aye, aye, aye. And you've got, um, that, by the way, that guy was creepy. <laughs> no, no, oh, that's right, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know that? Um, no. <laughs> I think it was like in the last day of filming. They went right names of the hat. Let's see who done this. <laughs> and that'd been funny as fuck if it was our wee boy. <laughs> uh, he's like, I'm onto a fortune if she gets took it. That is good that they they allowed them to use like the Academy Awards and stuff like that, and they were calling them the no, they were calling them the Oscars, weren't they? And that's not the official name for them or something. But, oh, right, okay. Um, uh, they, and it's I think it's still the biggest selling soundtrack ever. I'm sure it is. Um, uh, like it's got to be, huh? I mean, but every, there's a, there's a singer that's got a song on it, and I think he. He's retired after it. It's like just a throwaway track that he, he cut his tigers. Remember him? <laughs> Aye, what the <laughs> Jesus Christ. 
he's got a song on the bodyguard soundtrack. Ah, he's, he's, he's made about twenty million. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Breaking <laughs> it in every year. What a guy! I just think the the whole the, the film is excellent, man. It really is, and I, I've not seen it for years, but I watched it the other day, and I loved it. And I was singing, I was singing the songs for about three days after it. <laughs> and it's still so popular with the the musical, the stage show, and I bet see the I musical mean, and the stage show is that is it the actual songs that are in the movie? Aye, this is songs for the movie, right? Because you aye. find that a lot of them, it's not. No, you know, no, it's quite weird. Uh but this one it is. It's all the the original songs, and um, I the two of them must have just. You could tell that they clicked because the script isn't it. It, it's, it isn't. It's not written for the sparks to be flying as much as that, and they're not. There's and, um, a, lot, a lot of chemistry, but I think it, a lot of that was to do with Whitney Houston because I think she was a naturally flirty person. You know uh, what I mean? And I think I think she brought that to the screen as well, and she was a bit of a bit of lassie. <laughs> she, 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 she was good to the boys, but anyway, um, <laughs> she. I think like like I say, is there just a natural flirtiness when she brought that to the to the screen? Like, see, the first time they have the conversation, they're just sitting having a coffee, and she's like, ah, "Well, you know, if you're going to be there, I can't have a date and all that, and uh, I just suggest that you take me." Whether you say yes or no. If I if I'm costing it, I've got the tickets for the, the pictures booked and everything before this <laughs> fucking sentences out of mouth. <laughs> I mean I've got I've got a nice wee table at Nando's booked in that. Fucking get up get up to Shiny World. But, Nothing but uh, the best for Whitney, yeah. Oh well, no, Whitney. Whitney, she had a rough time yet, didn't she? She was what a uh, waste, man. What a waste. Did you know he did the eulogy at her funeral? Who yeah, Richard Gale? Yeah, Kevin Costner. Yeah. Kevin Costner, aye. Did he? Aye. He ended up with saying that a hundred different actors could have played Frank Farmer. Is that, is that his name? Aye. But only one could have played Rachel. And then he started going, off, so off you go, Whitney. Off you go. I was like, this is weird. What are you, what are you, talk, what are you talking about, Kevin? <laughs> no, but Whitney, Whitney Houston, that's one of the ones where you remember where you were when you found out that she died. Aye. You know I mean, I think, did I tell you or did you tell me? Was, I think he texted me. Aye. Fucking, I did, man, I remember. Right, so we'll move on then for the bodyguard. And we're going on to a new, another movie that I've actually watched this week. And a film that I loved when I was younger. Honest to God, see some the part of it come out of this movie. This, I, I'm certain that this is where your more jokes came from. Um, this is White Men Can't Jump. Alright, okay. See, see for the first 20 minutes of this movie, the pattern in it is absolutely unbelievable. Honestly, <laughs> it, it is so funny. It's, it's really, really good. Um, it's obviously Wesley Snipes and uh, Woody Harrelson. And uh, Woody Harrelson's a hustler. Uh, he goes to basketball courts dressed like a, like a gummy idiot. And then he, he hustles the players on the court and steals them, well, takes some money off them because he's a tremendous basketball player. Um, so the start of the movie, uh, Wesley Snipes uh, hus- try to hustle uh, a couple of guys, and one of the guys gets injured and goes off. And w- Woody Harrelson's sitting 
no, I, I pick, give him the white boy, give him the white boy, give him the white boy. White boy comes on. He's like, they win. So he challenges uh, Wesley Snipes at the end. He's like, I tell you what, I can beat you five shots for the free falling. Um, if I win, I win all your money. I win, and if you win, you win all my money. So Woody Harrelson wins the money off him. So um, all hell breaks loose and all that, and then <laughs> Woody Harrelson runs runs away and he gets home. And the next thing, uh, Wesley Snipes there's a chap at the door. Wesley Snipes chaps the door. Woody Harrelson opens the door. He's like, listen, um, I've got an idea. Basically, they're going to start uh, hustling. hustling. They're going to start hustling, I. Um, and they, <laughs> so Woody Harrelson's at, at the courts when Wesley Snipes is playing and then somebody, Wesley Snipes' uh, teammate will get injured and then they, he says, oh, I'll tell you what, I can beat you, you can pick anybody. And the people are always picking Woody Harrison because he's the white, <laughs> dorky-looking guy and they don't think they can play basketball. So, um, they win, they win, they enter a tournament in the middle of the, the movie and they win this tournament and that's them get all this money. <clears throat> but at the end of the tournament, Wesley Snipes throws the ball up Woody Harrelson just needs to slam dunk it, but he doesn't. He catches the ball and throws it back to um, to Wesley Snipes, who takes a shot and scores, and they win the tournament. Right. So on the drive back home, they've got this two and a half grand each, and Woody Harrelson says, "I can slam dunk the ball." By the way, I just don't do it in a game. He's like, "No, I know you can." He's like, "I don't. I don't mind it." He's like, "No, I, I can slam dunk the ball." He's like, no, listen, I don't want to argue with you. He says, I don't care. And Woody Harrison says, oh, I'll tell you what, I'll bet my half of the winnings against your half of the winnings that I can slam dunk the ball. So they go to a court, and he says, I give five attempts. So tries five times, five times he can't slam dunk the ball. He needs to hand over his two and a half grand to, to uh, Wesley Snipes. Nice. So he, goes, he goes home to Rosie Perez. He's like, listen, I've lost the money. She's like, ah, that fucking going mad. Uh, she kicks him out. And uh, uh, she, sorry, she leaves. And then just as she leaves, the uh, the loan sharks turn up. So they say to him, listen, you've got uh, X amount of time to pay this money and we're going to take your kneecaps off. He's like, oh, for right. fuck's sake, right? So that, he, he needs to get this money now, right? But uh, when he goes, to, he goes to Wesley Snipes to... To say, right, I, I, need, I need to get this money. When he turns up, Wesley Snipes is sitting with all the guys that they've played against, and he's basically he's hustled him, kind of thing. So he falls out with him, and then uh-huh. Wesley, Wesley Snipes is like, ah, for fuck's sake, I need to, I need to make it up to him, kind of thing. Uh-huh. It's, I think the whole story is that the kind of moral of the story is be happy with what you've got, kind of thing. But it seems you like sports movies. That's a brilliant sports movie. It's got a lot of cool basketball, and um, it's a funny fucking film. And, and these two guys work, work brilliantly together. It's the sort of film where I'd like to see a sequel now, where they're they're the two old timers on the block kind of thing. Ah, that'd and be there's, good. There's new up and comers coming up. You know what I mean? There's no reason why you can't do a sequel. It's not as if the two of them are kicking in Hollywood's door now. You know what I mean? Ah, <laughs> you're right. Just, and then. Um, when you were telling me that you were watching it, that's what I texted you. I was like, that film frustrates the hell out of me. 
Aye. So how you doing, man? Nothing. I know, man. I know. <laughs> it's, it's a hang. Like I say, Steve, I think the moral of the story is be happy with what you've got, but aye. he's. Aye, it, was uh, it was a brilliant film, but and if you've not seen it, I'd recommend that you get a rewatch. It's a film that stands up now, and like I said, the pattern in it, it's it's so funny. It's hilarious, man. It's really, really funny. But we'll move on for that one now, and the next one's a movie um, that. I thought we were both going to watch, but it ended up only being me that watched it. So you're going to need to listen to me rabbiting on about Universal fucking Soldier. <laughs> I remember one line for this film. You're discharged, Serge. No, that's a good one as well. No, it's the uh, Dolph Lundgren chucks a grenade at him, says, want to play catch? <laughs> I think that's when I turned it off. <laughs> Mate, do you know what? Like I said to you before, and I think I've mentioned on the podcast previously, um, I loved Van Damme's movies when I was younger, Aye. and this this was this was one of my favourite ones because I loved Rocky Four, and obviously Big Dolphin in Rocky Four, and this this is probably his second best movie, I would say. Aye. Um, it's shite though. <laughs> it's shite, man. Honestly, right straight away. Right, what happened? Right, what it is is, um, they get sent. They're Vietnam war veterans that uh, Dolph Lundgren's character went psychopath over in Vietnam and right. killed his whole platoon and killed the whole village basically. And Van Damme's the last one there, and he finds that uh, uh, Lundgren's killed all of the all of the villagers and all that and cut off their ears and he's strung the, he's, their ears around his neck as a necklace kind of thing. Um, Van Damme comes around the corner and he's like, ah, what the fuck's going on here kind of thing and uh, Lundgren's like, ah, they're, they're, all, they're all traitors, they're all traitors and he's like, what do you mean they're all traitors? And he's just lost his mind, he's clearly lost his mind. Oh, and, uh, they, so they, they have a fight like, he 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 then says that Van Damme's a traitor and he tries to shoot him, but Van Damme starts kicking fuck out him. Um, and then uh, when it comes to it, they both end up shooting each other dead, right? So everybody in this village is dead, and all of the American soldiers and that turn up the next day and collect the bodies, right? So what they've then been doing is they've then been uh, cryogenically freezing the bodies, and then years years later. They, they regenerate the bodies as these kind of cyborgs, like in a half machine, half man. Uh, get, it's kind of like Terminators, if I'm going to be honest with you, without the, the skeleton kind of thing. Um, but they need to... Um, and so they need to go into like, stasis for a few hours every day right. to keep their body temperature down and like keep their battery charged. And it's just... Van Damme, like, they, they get sent out to do this big like special ops thing and it's amazing it's a it's a pretty cool scene like when they're running down the dam and all that running down the walls of the dam and everything remember right. it do you remember that I scene remember that. No, no. yeah it's a it's a brilliant scene where, and it shows you it's a, it must be like special marines doing it or something in real life but right and um Lundgren's character goes rogue again and Van Damme sees a couple of oriental kind of like Asian looking people and no it kind of kickstarts his memories about Vietnam, right? And uh, he then starts to realise that Lundgren's character was a wrong 
that Lundgren's character started to remember as well. And basically, uh, Van Damme does a runner. And Lundgren's character's uh, charged with finding him. But right. he then he then starts killing all the other Universal Soldiers. And then it's basically uh, down to Van Damme, who's working with a journalist to try and get away because she's got all of the information about what the government have been doing. Um, right. And she's trying she's try to bring it to light. And uh, so he's got to try and save her life in order to stop them doing what they're doing and putting other people in this position. <laughs> the, the, the fight scenes and all of that, as you would expect, for a Van Damme movie are brilliant. Um, the, there's a scene in a, in a restaurant, right? And it's amazing. He's, he's never, he hasn't eaten anything for like 40 years or something. Right. right, because he's he's uh, all falsely like nutri- uh, nut- he gets all his nutrients falsely and all that. Like, right. and there's this scene where they go to this, this cafe, and she's like, "Do you want some of these?" I, I okay, and he it's imagine what you would feel if you were eating food for the first time, <laughs> right? And you've got this <laughs> this sensation, right? So she goes out to take a phone call. And um, it comes back to Van Damme, and he's sitting, he's got about eight plates in front of him, and he's just taking bits <laughs> off everything, right? And uh, the woman comes in, she's like, how are you going to pay for all this? She's, he's like, I don't know. He actually says that, he's like, I don't know. <laughs> and anyway, uh, she calls in a man, and this big hulking guy comes in. Yeah, I've been slaving over a hot stove to make that for you, and... And you're not going to pay me, I don't think so. And he tries to batter Van Damme, but obviously you know how that works out, right? And then all, all the other people in the cafe and all that start jumping in. It's just a big mad fight scene. Oh, and yeah. um, she goes like, she's on the phone. She goes, right, I need to go. And she hangs up the phone. She turns around. And the next thing, somebody comes through the window and she just goes, oh, no. She she knows straight away what's happened, you know what I mean? But there's a, there's a few like hearty bits in it as well, but it's... It's not, a, it's not a tremendous movie, but it's, it's a movie that you can stick on and just have it in the background, can I? Sounds better than I remember it, but... That's uh, the thing. I, I had forgot quite a lot about it as well. Um, but it's it's Van Damme, you know what you're getting. Aye, of course. So we'll move on for Universal Soldier. The next one's one that we both love, don't we? And, and we're going to do a couple of Christmas movies in a row here because there, there's two that we want to talk about. And the first one... Is one of my favourite Christmas movies of all time, and it's uh, Home Alone Two. Uh, I loved, I loved Home Alone, you know. So Home Alone Two, is, uh, it's the same film, isn't it? Set in a different, set in a different town. I'm not as I don't like this as much. Uh, do you know what? You see, ever since I seen Home Alone Two with blood, have you seen that on YouTube? No. Right. See, somebody's done. Uh, like an over an over thing like the, the special effects and all that on it so that it would show you what would actually happen if Kevin done what he done <laughs> to, the, to the two to the two robbers right to the, the wet bandits and uh, the, I, I honestly that, that wee guy is a sociopath <laughs> seriously because in the first one it was like all the traps he was setting, it was believable that he, he could come up with this. And Aye. it was fun because it was his house and the two bungling burglars. But this is this is, this is a hard watch. The, way you're, the, uh, the guy getting electrocuted and all that. Never mind now, what about the bricks off the roof? 
<laughs> that is killing somebody. And like that that is immediate death. That's not even that it's that we guy should be in a young offenders institute. Uh, definitely I. Um I, I still love it. I still love it. It's not as good as the first one, but it's it's still a good film. Like Blen- uh, Brenda Blevin, she's great. Oh, aye. Yeah, she's brilliant, aye. Um, you've also you've got Tim Curry as well, mm-hmm. and the bold president himself. Aye, <laughs> Big Donnie, Big Donnie's an auntie. Aye, uh, it's his hotel into that they're staying in, like Kevin's staying in. I thought, nah, I thought Trump, it was aye, the, the, Trump, the Trump Plaza. Trump Plaza, you're right. Sorry, it is. Aye, the Trump Plaza, but I don't think they refer to it as the Trump Plaza, they just call it the Plaza, don't they? Plaza? Aye. That's right. Tim Curry is excellent in this film. It's really, really funny. And um, it, obviously you've got Joe Pesci and... Uh, Daniel Stern. Daniel Stern, aye. And they two are, they two are excellent. I can watch oh, they two together all the time. I mean, it's hard to hate it when, it's, when it is when it's doing what it's doing and it's basically just the same film only a, a wee bit inferior for me and Aye. less believable but it's still it's still funny um, and I, when I was in New York near Christmas time I went to find the the toy store Aye That's gone Is it? Yeah but I think it's back now it was an Apple store when I went Oh for fuck's sake I was standing outside it is nothing secret I <laughs> guess <laughs> was that not a toy store in Big and all? Aye. Aye, I thought that. Aye. I thought it was. Um, but Home Alone 2 does what it says in the tin. If you've got a spare cut of hours around about Christmas time, I'd definitely oh, recommend that you fire it in the old DVD machine. Definitely, and um, it's got my favourite uh, Christmas song as well All Alone at Christmas. Darlene Love. Never heard that. Maybe, maybe well, not, but obviously. It appears in the film as well, but it's it's her who, you know, Darlene Love. She plays um, Danny Glover's wife in the Lethal Weapon movies. I've never seen a Lethal Weapon movie. <laughs> and uh, but she's singing. But it's the E Street Band that are playing on the record, and it was Steve right. Van Zandt. Steve Van Zandt wrote it. And that's why it's your favourite Christmas song. Ah, it's a belter as well. No, but that's why it's your favourite Christmas song. Just admit it. No, <laughs> it was already my favourite before I knew all that. Away, ah, you fucking liar, you. <laughs> <laughs> right, so what's the, other, what's the other Christmas movie we're going to talk about now then? Uh, the other one is another classic, and it's uh, A Muppet's Christmas Carol. Tell me about it. So this is, well, it's, um, it's Disney that have made it. It's Christmas Carol, Charles Dickens, so... One of the greatest stories ever written. Yeah. It's got some of the greatest characters ever created, the Muppets, and it's got one of the greatest actors that Britain's ever produced, Michael Caine, playing Scrooge. So it does exactly what it says in the tin, and it's got great songs. It's it's funny. It's it's everything you would expect for for all those ingredients, and it's it's absolutely brilliant. Took me years to watch it again. I just wrote it off as. Muppets, why would I watch that? It's brilliant. Great film. Aye, it's, uh, 
it's one that I've not watched because, like you say, is it the Muppets were only something that I was really into, even as a kid. So, it's nah, it's not, it's not for me, man. I, I don't know why. I, it's, I've never <laughs> been a great... Although Scrooge is my favourite Christmas movie, right? I've never Aye. been. I've never been a huge fan of the the Christmas Carol. What the story? No, never really. I I liked Scrooge because it was such a different take on it. Ah, yeah. You know I mean? um, but aye, aye. this is the best version there. Aye. Well, I think aye. It's brilliant. Have you seen every version? <laughs> no, best version I've seen then. <laughs> In my opinion. If you'd seen every version of it, you'd need to be sitting watching it every minute every day. It's been done about 150 <laughs> times. <laughs> we'll, we'll move on for a Christmas carol now. Are you getting else to say about it? No, I was just saying it was it's worth a mention because it's, it's a classic. The next one on the list here is A Few Good Men. Oh, uh, another one of yours. Um, so this is the movie that we, we were lampooning at the beginning of the show. Um, <laughs> And it's an absolute classic. I've I've never seen it. I know you did tell me, and I couldn't believe it. I'm ashamed um, of myself. I'm I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I'm I'm ashamed of myself. I call myself no, an enthusiast. There is a few people I know that haven't seen it as well, but hopefully, after I speak about it here, they'll they'll watch it. Um, it's Rob Reiner directs it, and this was his last. He's he had a streak of six awesome films in a row, and this was the last one of that. Um, Rob Reiner, that's right. Then he went, he just chucked it, didn't he? Aye, aye. <laughs> I think after this one, he was like, it's all downhill for here, and it certainly was. Um, so this is about, it's Guantanamo Bay, the, the Marine Corps, and a guy gets killed. He gets beaten up by two of his uh, regiment. And he uh, ends up dying. And Tom Cruise is the lawyer who's been tasked with defending them. And Demi Moore is helping Tom Cruise. Because Tom Cruise isn't really born his ass. He's he's a lawyer that's known for uh, taking plea deals and not going to court. Whereas Demi Moore wants to fight it in court. And it's all because she thinks that the man was killed following the order of a code red right so it's all about this code red and that's what that is it's a a legal order within the regiment that if one of the one of the guy one of your fellow guys is underperforming their steps out of line they beat the living shit out of him you teach him a lesson and so he improves the next time and that that's what it's about try to try to prove that but everybody's against them and it looks like a unwinnable case, but it's all building up towards the 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 finale with Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson, and those scenes, the scenes at the start with them and the scenes at the end are just it's just movie. It's movies at its absolute best. It doesn't get any better than than that. Oof. It's just it's magic. It's it's acting at the just top draw stuff, especially Nicholson. Cruz is going toe-to-toe with him as well, but brilliant. And it's what a cast as well, the, all the supporting cast. Kevin Bacon, Kiefer Sutherland, as I said, Demi Moore, Kevin Pollack. Oh, um, Kevin Pollack, I like him. 
Yeah, Cuba Gooden Jr. I mean, all through the just just we we roles they just elevate it all. It's 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 absolutely brilliant. It's great. So what what else? Yeah, um, no, I think that's it. I think, and obviously the the, like, the lines that we did at the start of the movie, uh, this podcast, um, that's up there where you're going to need a bigger boat and. Oh, well, it's, it's, it's an iconic cinema scene. I mean, uh, last year, I've not even seen the movie, and when you started it, I was like, I, like I could join in, you know what I mean? So it just shows you that, <laughs> it shows you that like, people that haven't even seen the movie know this, the lines from it, and they know oh, what I, the movie it's from as well, and they know the two actors that were involved as well. So it just uh, goes to show you it's left an indelible mark in cinema, without a doubt. Um, and I was to say also with Demi Moore that her characters, she's not like a typical oh, oh there's some love interest for Tom Cruise. It's not like that at all. She's she's as equal, Aye. and she's it's all about the case. There's obviously there's undeniable fucking chemistry between the two because the two of them look a million bucks. But it's not really there's not that part of it. It's all Aye, about but- the case. But Tom Cruise would have been fucking shiny shell that Bruce Willis got a hold of him if he'd have started any of that. <laughs> you know I mean, let's be honest, if they, if they two go toe-to-toe, there's only one victor. <laughs> <laughs> Aye, that's true. <laughs> I watched and I thought, that, again, I thought you were going to watch it. I thought at least you would have seen it. Uh, the Mighty Ducks. Oh, I've definitely seen it. Um, now, it's a film that I remembered fondly, right? So I thought to myself, I'm going to watch that again. So I watched it last week and my God, they would not get away with making this movie now, man. <laughs> Honestly. Oh. First, things, first things first, right? Um, so Coach Bombay um, gets sent to, he, get, he gets Community service, right? And uh, this is Emilio Estevez's character. Right? Right. So he gets, he gets community service at the start and he has to uh, coach this gang uh, absolute shite ice hockey players now. These wee guys have got nothing, right? So um, basically they're only there so their mom dads can keep working after school kind of thing. Right. Um, None of them are, none of them can even skate. None of them have got a pair of skates. They're running about on ice, know what I mean? They've got uh, rolled up magazines for pads for the goalie and all that. They've got nothing. They're the, scraping the bottom of the barrel of society. These wins are they're, they're a disaster, right? <laughs> so Estevez um, is a big shot. I'm not sure if he's a big shot lawyer or advert, advertiser or something like that, but um, he goes to his boss and he's like, ah, listen, what we'll do is we'll, we'll call the team the Ducks because uh, the company that he works for is called Duckworth or something like that, right? And he's like, ah, well, all I want for you is 15 grand so that I can get them all the, all the equipment that they need and I'll, I promise I'll make a decent team out of them. Um, so the the underlying story is that uh, Emilio Estevez's coach, when he was a kid, um, was this like, tyrant coach that just made kids bullies and stuff like that. And, um, and 
uh, tells Estevez has got to take the last penalty in the last second of the game to win the championship. And they've got all these first place, first place, all the way right round the, the, the arena. And they're waiting on this next first place and Estevez misses it. And so they, put up, they put up the second place banner. And the first, the first team that they need to play against is this mob that and that guy is the coach. So there, Emilio Estevez goes back to another man, and he made it. Sorry, it was a man that made his ice skates for him when he was a wee boy. Right. And um, uh, he kind of he makes all the all the kit for the for the ducks and all that, and um, then they they start to find these other players that they get. They bring in a couple of. Uh, figure skaters and they bring in a couple of like big ruffian kind of guys and then they've got these three forwards right and it's two wee black guys and a wee white guy right and this is, bear in mind this is a Disney movie right <laughs> they they call them the Oreo line because it's two black kids on the outside and a white kid in the middle right <laughs> now now you think to yourself like one of the one of the teams says that to them, and they can adopt it as their name, and then you've got Estevez like that, right? Audio line on you's going all that, and it's as racist as it gets. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right? And there's also another young boy uh, who plays for the team that uh, Estevez's old coach coaches, and his name's uh, Banks, right? Andy Banks or something. I think it is him. No, don't quote me on that. Um, but he's they find out that he's actually living outside the county lines for his team so he then needs to go and play for the Ducks and this is a catalyst that they've got they've got this guy Banks it's a right good ice Aye. hockey player and he starts to carry them through games and um, it's just a, it's a great it's a it's a kids for want of a better word it's like an adventure movie kind of thing I would 100% show this to Kean. Uh, kids won't get the audio line joke. Right? I know a lot of people wouldn't be comfortable letting their kids watch that sort of thing anymore, but uh, they've got a new TV show coming out. It's actually been uh, greenlit for uh, Disney+. Plus. Uh, Emilio Estevez is coming back for it. It's, see, as long as they can keep the same kind of spirit, then they're on to a winner, because this is a... This is a good film. It's a it's a feel good movie. Right. Um, um, but it's a, a it's definitely one that I would watch if you've got kids. They would enjoy it. If you've got kids that are into sport, they would love it. And right. it's a lot. Yeah, it's really funny. I always remembered it as the champions. That's what I always remembered this film being called. Aye, it's well. That's it was always Mighty Ducks for me. Was I it? I I don't know why. I don't know why. Was it not called the Mighty Ducks are the champions? No, it was just called Champions. Was it? In the UK, aye. Well, that's aye. funny because another one of the movies on this list had a different name in the UK, didn't it? What's that one? The one with Rick, Rick Moranis. Oh, aye. <laughs> yeah. Right, so what did, what did you think the movie was called, Kiwi? Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. Right, I always knew it was Honey, I Blew Up the Baby. Right, but <laughs> why did they call it that? What, it sounds like they've exploded a child. I, I know, I, I, what I was saying to you earlier that I'm scared to admit, but I genuinely 
had no interest in ever watch. Even though I watched Honey Eyes Front the Kids, when I saw this advertised, there was Honey Eye blew up the kid, and I saw the giant child walking about, what New York or whatever it was, and I was like, ah. like I get that it's terrorising the place, but do they really need to blow it up? <laughs> Surely there's a better way. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, about 10, 15 years later, I was like, oh, right, it blew it up to be a giant kid. I uh, get it now. <laughs> oh, Christ. Egypt. I see, the next movie that we've got on this list is a movie that I've watched fairly recently. Um, I watched that a couple of years back with Sammy, it's, uh, and it's a movie that you've watched recently. I think it's called The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. Aye. Um, this Aye. is a good film, man. Oh, it's brilliant, eh? You're on edge the whole time. What happened to her? Because she's absolutely phenomenal in this film. She is. Some of the stuff she does is ridiculous. What was her name again? Rebecca De Mornay. Rebecca De Mornay, that's right. Um, so she was in this, and then she was in The Three Musketeers, and then that was her. No, she was in uh, Risky Business. Oh, yeah, that's, uh, that was her first one. Aye, Risky Business. Um, but after like three that time, she was brilliant. I think I think it's because it, people hated her so much in this film. She couldn't yeah, get so, gigs after it. I think that, that's what happened to Zoe Deschanel after Five Hundred Days of Summer. Aye, nobody wanted any to do with her. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, called acting people. <laughs> I know it's acting people. But <laughs> despite her, <laughs> despite her being brilliant in it. Everybody else, it's like it's like you would watch it on Sunset Beach or one of those Aye. movie movie twenty four Christmas films. Just Aye, I don't think this would be a Christmas movie, mate. No, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? At those channels. I exactly what you mean. Aye. <laughs> like a, a, a Hallmark movie or something. Aye, Hallmark. That's it. Aye. Aye. See the the the, the, the mum in this film. Aye. So half of her lines are, are dubbed over. See when she's having an asthma attack, that oh. is somebody else that's heavy breathing. It's no her, uh, it, <laughs> but you overlook that because it's such a, it's a film that everybody should watch. Isn't it? It's so it's a good story. Aye. And and Aye. like I say, you're, you're on edge for the entirety of the movie. Aye. Like, uh, like you say, you're only Hudson's a gardener, isn't he? Aye. He's a gardener, and she stitches him up, doesn't she? Aye. That's right. Oh, what she does to him is ridiculous. I know. I know, what a cow. <laughs> <laughs> it's on Sky the now. People should watch it because it's a great thriller. It is a good film. It, it really is a good film. It's uh, it's one that y- you think about after it and it kind of makes, uh, you, feel un- it makes you feel uneasy. But the nice movie in the list is Patriot Games and Harrison Ford. Right, aye. Powerhouse, yeah, movie, if I remember correctly. Um, this is one of the... the uh, is it Jack Ryan? Aye, that's it. It's a Jack Ryan movie, isn't it? Aye. Aye, this is the second one. Yeah, the first one was... Uh, Hunt for Red October. Hunt for Red October was a Jack Ryan movie. Aye. There you go, I didn't Aye. know that. This is a direct sequel to that, um, but the only returning actor is James Earl Jones. Is that like Baldwin? James Earl Jones would do any film that he's offered, man. <laughs> no, I mean, he's the only one. He's the only one that came back for the Lion King live action one. Thank <laughs> I mean, God he did. <laughs> still, he was still doing Darth Vader until fucking last year. 
Andy's you know, coming. He's, he's got to be in the new coming to America as well, hasn't he? He's got to be. Oh, aye. If we can still do it, get him in. <laughs> You're <laughs> right, by the way. He's still mobile, get him in. <laughs> in fact, he's the king of Zamunda. Just sit him in a chair and have folk carry him through the streets. Aye, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> In this film, um, well, Jack Ryan, he's a, he's a CIA analyst, but this film's kind of like in his later years, and it's not really about him analysing intelligence or in that. It's more like how him and his family are on holiday in London, and right. it's just a coincidence that they're at Buckingham Palace in uh, the IRA, or a branch of the IRA, trying to take out some of the members of the royal family. And he stops it, kills one of the guys, and the other guy, Sean Bean. Uh, so that's what it's kind of about. It's kind of like Sean Bean trying to get revenge over Jack Ryan. Um, Sean Bean's mentor is played by Patrick B- uh, Bergen. And uh, he's heading up his own breakaway faction of the IRA. And they're away training and it's all building up to the big, the big ending. Uh, it's a brilliant film. It's a great thriller. It's all about Jack Ryan trying to protect his family. Um, that sounds, sounds decent. Um, uh, uh, tell me this. How many dodgy Irish accents are in this movie? <laughs> Try, Sean Bean's is uh, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Virgin, I think he is Irish, so he, he's, he's, he's good. Aye. And uh, Richard Harris is the head of the IRA in it. Uh, Richard Harris will be good. He's a he's, yeah, he's an old probably. school good actor. You know, I mean, he'll know his accents. <laughs> he's good. So I uh, Sean Bean pretty much the bit dodgy, but it doesn't detract for the film. It's a, it's a brilliant film. Uh, definitely worth watching, and that's mm-hmm. on Sky as well now. So there you go. Get it watched if you've got now TV or if you've got Sky. Maybe like get it on catch up. Um, <clears throat> right. So the next one uh, that we're going to talk about now is. Now, I don't know, have you not seen this movie, Keezy? Because I don't know how I'm talking about this one on my own. Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> I wanted you to talk about it more because I can't do it justice. I've def- I've seen it a couple of times, but kind of like White Man Can't Jump. I haven't seen it for years. Mate, do yourself a favour. Take an hour and 20 minutes out of one of your days and watch this film. I watched a documentary called QT8 the other day. Right? right, it's uh, all about Quentin Tarantino's first eight movies, right? And they, when they're talking about Reservoir Dogs, it's it's an, a, the reason why it was made the way, the way it was made. Do you know that he wrote True Romance, right? And he wanted to direct it, and nobody would let him direct it, right? Because they didn't want to trust a first time uh, director right. with a with a budget like that, right? And then he done Natural Born Killers, and the same thing happened as well. Now, I had no idea that he wrote Natural Born Killers, or if I did know, I forgot, right? Um, But he wanted to direct them, and nobody would allow him to direct. Obviously, he got Oliver Stone for Natural Born Killers, so that was... If you've got the option of Oliver Stone or a guy that's never directed a movie before, what one are you fucking going for, do you know what I mean? (laughs) Right, so... um, He then wrote Reservoir Dogs, right? And he shopped it around, and um, nobody nobody wanted to take it because he, he had this time he had 
put in place that he was going to direct this. And that's the reason why it's made in one room, because they had no budget. Nobody was willing to All make right. a budget, right? So what happened was he got somebody to read the, the script, right? And they went like, holy fucking shit, that's an amazing script. And he went like, I know a guy that knows Harvey Keitel. He went like, would right. you mind if I passed the script on him? He went like, no, not at all. So they gave it to Harvey Keitel, and Harvey Keitel read the script and went like, fucking hell, this is unbelievable. I want to do this movie, I want to be in this movie. Tim Roth, exact same. Right. Uh, he, he went for uh, an audition. And they wanted him to read for it, and he went like, absolutely not, I'm not reading for any role. And he went like, what do you mean? He went like, I'm not good at reading for roles. Like, Quentin Tarantino went like, I tell you, but then mum will go to the pub. They went to the pub, and they get pushed. And he sat and read for every single character. He read, <laughs> the, he read the whole script with Quentin Tarantino for every character. So think about that. Um, right. And so... He's had to go through the whole movie six different times, playing each different character. Oh, right. he, he get that one. Um, Michael Madsen. Uh, he done a he done a, a scene, um, the most famous scene in Reservoir Dogs. The oh, definitely, aye, aye. Stuck in the middle of your scene. Um, Michael Madsen plays Mister Bond, and in the in the script it says uh, it calls for a song to be to play on the radio. And Mr. Bond dances maniacally, right? So um, he's like, Quentin, I, I don't dance. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, I don't dance. He's like, what music are you going to put over the top? He's like, well, I was going to go with Steelers', Steelers Wheel, stuck in the middle of you. So he's like, why don't you play it for me? He just play it and... That can be the that can be the catalyst for me to do it, and I'll just do whatever comes to plan and uh, whatever comes to my head. And if you think it's all right, it's all right. And he done it in one take. See the <laughs> see the, the whole like, step Aye. forward and all that. And then when he when he cut the guy's ear off, he says that he called for the camera to go to him, and for him just to turn around and bring the bring the ear into into shot. Right. It was just supposed to be a quick glimpse of what it was, and then he was supposed to throw the ear away. He went like, but I don't know, I don't think my character would do that. I think he's that crazy that he would he would say something. And he says, when he held, <laughs> when he held it, he went like, hello, hello, he talking into it. And then he threw it away, and he says that the way he threw it away, it was so nonchalant, it just gave you the idea of how psychotic this guy was. Class. An absolute classic, by the way, and no, in fact, we can't move on because we need to talk about the soundtrack for this as well. Oh, aye, aye. It's one of the first movie soundtracks I ever bought on CD, so it was just amazing, man. Absolutely amazing. They start to finish, and, and that's what he, he obviously became famous for all his soundtracks after that, mm-hmm. but it was definitely a big party. It was to do with the Stuck in the Middle with You. Aye, and they spoke about, but brilliant. Again, if you get a chance, give the give the soundtrack a listen, but definitely watch Reservoir Dogs because it's without a doubt, it's a it's a classic, it's a cinematic classic. Aye. The next one, the list I think we can both talk about is Sister Act. Oh yes. You know my thoughts on Whoopi, mate. You know my thoughts on Whoopi. Aye, I remember at the time, but my mum's like, ah, eh, 
we're going to the pictures on Sunday to see sister actors. Like, what was that? It's a, it's a film about singing nuns and what that. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Just, but, um, but then she's like, I was like, who's in it? She's like, Whoopi Goldberg. Like, Why did you say so? Of course I'll be there. Aye, absolutely. You but know, my- even even at the, at the the pictures, I was the uh, had to win me over. Aye, and it was the first. It was the first song that they all sang together. That just that, that just thought that was amazing. Was I'm it Hail Holy Queen? Was it not? I will follow him. No, no, that's the one at the end. Is it? And it's ah. Uh, once and that's when it's when they're singing and then you, people are running in off the streets. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They normally go to they would normally go to chapel or church or whatever. And I was like, oh, I'm all in now. This film's brilliant. I know. <laughs> you know, that's a, it's. Uh, I've always said that I don't see for like soul music and gospel music and stuff like that. Uh-huh. I've always loved it because I was brought up with Motown and you know like all of that kind of. Evangelical kind of kind of music and stuff like that. Yeah. So I I love all of that shit. Uh, I'm a I'm a huge mark for that sort of nonsense. But <laughs> uh, see, sister act, I still love it to this day. I love the second one as well. But this yeah. this one is just it's absolutely oh. brilliant. Aye, uh, the only thing it, I'm disappointed with it is uh, the sister Mary Roberts, the red-headed one. Yeah, uh, she's not actually singing. Is she not? No, she's maiming oh, somebody else no. in the background. You fucking, you've ruined it for me. I thought she was a great singer. Oh, no, singer. why did I say that? I, I thought she was a great singer thing. since Whitney Houston. <laughs> she's the only person that, that could have held a candle to the bodyguard that year. Okay. I know. And by the way, Whoopi Goldberg can't sing a fucking note either. <laughs> but That's she makes you believe she can. Yeah, why? <laughs> Mr. Um, Mary Clarence. <laughs> and obviously Harvey Keitel's in this as well. Aye. Baddie Vince. Aye, um, Harvey Keitel um, played her ex, wasn't he? Aye, aye. That's but a good man. Oh, brilliant. Maggie Smith's brilliant in it and always the disapproving aye. head nun. Aye, but she, she gets one over. Oh, even her toes tapping at the end to I will follow him. <laughs> <laughs> Follow him wherever he may go. It's <laughs> a fucking anthem, man. They laid me back at chapel talking about this. Right, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right so Keezy, the next movie we've got in the last year is one that you've seen and I should have seen but I haven't seen. Uh, it's got Harvey Keitel in it and it's Bad Lieutenant. So tell, tell us a bit about that. Uh, I, it's, we've just spoke about. Uh, a film with nuns in it, we have the Keitel, and we're now going to talk about a film with nuns in it, we have the Keitel. Sounds but good. these two films couldn't be further apart, Aye. ever. Oh my God, this is one of the darkest films I've ever seen. Seriously? Um, aye. It's a, it- the, reason, the reason I watched it, it was because Martin Scorsese put it in his top five films in the 90s. Right. And so I'd never heard it, so I was like, well, what is this? And it's uh, Harvey Keitel, he's a cop on just a downward spiral. Alcoholic, gambler, drug addict, and prostitutes, he's a dirty cop. 
he looks as if he's got a family, he doesn't give a toss about, he doesn't give a damn about the, the job. And it's all set during the, I think it's either the World Series or a big playoff baseball game where he's betting heavily on this and just getting worse and worse into the hole. Um, and he's just a shambles, right? And it's so, the, the whole thing is so graphic and so realistic. Um, but what happens is, and this is horrible, but a nun gets raped. Mate, uh, is, this not, is this not a comedy? Oh, no, no. Oof, no. If it's a very, very dark, very dark comedy. Mate, I, see, when, comedy. I, when I had that in my list, um, the genres that it came under was um, drama, comedy, and something else. Right. So I don't, I don't know where they've pulled that for what you've been telling me here. <laughs> I can't, nah. I was not laughing. <laughs> so I so as I said, a nun gets raped, and then the chapel or the convent put out a fifty grand reward for solving the case. And then so obviously this is Kaitel's chance to for redemption and to get to get out the mess that he's in. And the film just doesn't go anywhere you think it would. It's so. It's, it's so graphic, realistic. It's a hard, hard watch. But Harvey Keitel is absolutely phenomenal in it. It's a performance of a lifetime. It's incredible, but it's so it's a tough watch. <laughs> I like I like Harvey Keitel. I really do. Aye. And what this, what a this huge was out the same year as Reservoir Aye. Dogs, and. It, like I say, I told you the story about how he ended up with Res- Reservoir Dogs. Aye. And what, what a year for Kytel, man. I know. What Those a year for two and, and, and Sister Act. But Aye. it's an incredible performance and he should he never got any awards or nominations for it. I've no idea why. They should have been getting thrown at him. Um, I think a lot of people's but, faces don't fit. And I genuinely and think Harvey Keitel's one of them because Harvey Keitel's an actor that should have had about five Oscars for some of the performances <laughs> he's put in. Do you know what Aye. I mean? And it's fantastic. It, although everybody knows he's a great hand, he's just not that headline actor, if you know what I no. mean. He's oh, not, I know what you mean. Aye, aye, aye. He's, aye. Not, he's not a top line name, but you know, no. if you need if you need a, a good actor, then he's the sort of guy to go to. Oh, he's a, he's a safe choice, definitely. Um, but I we can't end this episode with with that film. <laughs> and I, and this one is uh, Passenger Fifty Seven, mate. You're on your own with this one. Oh, what a film this is! <laughs> Have you ever seen it? Is, is this uh, Wesley Snipes' second greatest movie of nineteen ninety two? Aye, definitely. Um, is this aye, so De Niro? Wesley Snipes. Eh? Is this De Niro and Wesley Snipes? This one. Oh no no no! This is there's no. This is just it's Wesley Snipes. He's a security guy, head of security for an airline, and he's on this flight, and Bruce Payne is a baddie in it. So he plays. So Bruce Payne plays Charles Rain, and he's insane, and he's on a plane, and the only guy that can stop him is uh, the passenger in seat nine uh, A. But it's when the woman's doing the head count, he becomes 
Passenger 57, there's like, a, why is this, why did it have to be called Passenger 57? Could have oh, called right. it anything. Um, but that's what, is it basically Die Hard on a Plane with Wesley Snipes. Die Hard on uh, a Plane? Aye. With Wesley Snipes? Aye. That sounds worse than Die Hard 5. <laughs> <laughs> and Liz, this, this was my introduction to Liz Hurley. She plays oh. one of the stewardesses in it. And I was like, ah, who in the hell is that? <laughs> Stop um, the press. Who is that? <laughs> so the, the guy, that, that Bruce Payne guy, he's a, I mean, he's never been seen since. He just hams it up. He's like a English Bruce Michael Payne. Bolton. Aye. And he's a baddie, and he's he's hamming it up, and it's just cheesy, enjoyable nonsense. Aye, on a plane. <laughs> There's only so oh, much and, you can do on a plane, isn't there? Aye, but I remember at the time watching, like now when you rent a video, it, it, it was the, the trailers at the start. Uh, so this this the trailer for this comes on, and it's a uh, obviously it's set the scene. It's basically terrorists on a plane. Where's the snipes? And you see him on the phone to the bad guy, and he's like, uh, uh, "Do you ever play roulette?" And the guy's like, always bet on black. (laughs) I remember the trailer, mate. I remember As an an 11-year-old, you're like, losing your shit. You're like, I need to see this film. This is going to be the best thing ever. (laughs) Oh, my God, man. It was so fucking bad. So bad. (laughs) It's weird how some trailers stick out in your mind, isn't it, man? That is one of them. You knew what they were doing with that one. (laughs) Definitely, man. Right. <laughs> right, Keezy, I'm going to tell you something right now. I've not got time for Passenger 58. I think we're going, I think we're going to need to wrap up uh, the first half of the episode just now, would you think? Aye, that's a, that's a good place to stop, I think. Aye, definitely. So, in this week's Actor Quiz Movie Battle, Keezy and Chris will be naming the movies of Michael B. Jordan. Oh, oh, God. Space Jam. That's <laughs> it, you're out. You're out. <laughs> oh, no, we never tossed the coin, damn it. <laughs> right, you got a coin there, Keithbo? Aye. You call right. it? I'll call it. I'll call heads. Tails. Okay. Actor quiz movie battle. Michael B. Jordan. Wait a minute. Actor quiz movie battle. Michael B. Jordan. Uh, Right, here we go. Uh, Creed. Creed 2. Black Panther. Avengers Endgame. Aye. Aye, remember he came back, did it? Remember? Came back to help them. Did he? I don't know, did he? I don't know. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he was an endgame. I can't see it. I get, I yeah. get mixed, I get mixed up. I get, I thought he played Black Panther. He didn't play Black Panther. He played the body. Nah, he was not man. Nah, he definitely was not No. Ah, damn it! Fuck it. Ah, oh, I can't believe I fucked that up, man. Ah, well. Honestly, God, we're terrible with that actor movie battle. But could have been worse. Who was it? Never get any. Darren? Aye. 
That was Body Meryl Street. Oh, she's been she'll in never, every. Be forgiven. She's been in every movie I've ever made. <laughs> right. So Wesley Snipes, she's she's out the first episode a nineteen ninety two. And the second half will be with his next week. So tune in folks and thanks very much for listening. And with that We're out of time. And join us for part two, please. Aye, join us for part two. I promise you. Promise you. I'll get more than one movie in the actor quiz movie battle, I promise. Or we could we could say follow us for part two. Aye, follow us for part two. What does that mean? I will follow him. Oh, fuck off, Keezy. That's just playing his out. Right, okay, okay. <laughs> I love him, I love him, I love him. And where he goes, I'll follow, I'll follow, I'll follow. I will follow him. <laughs> right, okay, though. Catch his trips. Cheers.